0: Welcome to the King's Cost, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good afternoon, and good afternoon to those listening online. So, um, can we please open our Bibles? Um, to the book of Hebrews. We'll be looking into the book of Hebrews today. Um, and as I am about to start, should we please commit this time before God? Heavenly Father God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, beautiful Savior, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for the opportunity again to be before you and to hear at the foot of the cross. Thank you, Lord, for today where we believe you have a word for your children, Lord. And Father, right now, I commit your children into your hands. I pray for, for them, Lord, and lift them up before you, praying that, Lord, you will touch their hearts right now. Shut down any noise, O Lord God, that may distract them from hearing from you this, more, this afternoon. And Father, I also commit myself before you that, Lord, you will use me, that, Lord, I will be able to articulate correctly, with accuracy, without error, any word that comes from you, Lord. Speak right now from your servant years, Lord. And Father God, I pray, Lord, use me. Speak through me, Lord. But most importantly, let your word accomplish the purpose that He, for which it is sent this afternoon. Right now, Father God, take the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open the, the book, and the Bible, to Hebrews. So for the purpose of um, the title... The title that, I've, um, that God put on my heart today is Keep Your Eyes Fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And please, I will want to encourage you. It is quite difficult on an afternoon to focus. But you know what? The message today is about focusing as well. It's about focusing on what really matters in our lives. It's about focusing on what is the most important. You know, where it comes to our race of life. And I will come to that in a minute. There are so many ways we can go about running the race. There are so many ways we can follow Jesus, so many ways we can actually walk that with the Lord. But there is today what I believe a number of things that God wants to point out to those who are on that track, those who are on the race, that there is a manner by which we can run in a way that is successful. And by that means the output Of the race the crossing of the line that is ahead of us we are on that race to succeed and to cross we are not on the race to give up we are not on the race to just participate and never never cross the line God is not expecting us to fail in fact he's gone he's he's, he's conquered everything he's won everything he's won the battle is God victory. And contextually, the book of Hebrews is quite important. I'm not going into whether it is from Pauline authorship or whether there is a Pauline input. Um, the reality of the book of Hebrews is this, is when you look into the book and, and, and read the chapters, it addresses a specific need to the church. Um, in time of Hebrews, uh, in, 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 the, in the church, you know, it addressed the specific problem that they face day to day, where the believers have been wavering, they've been effectively tired, they've been having their hopes diluted. They are not sure Jesus that they believed in, Jesus that they've turned to, has died. Jesus has gone, and now they find themselves in a position where they're no longer sure about whether he will ever come back. So they are being encouraged around what it means for them that they should not give up on what they first heard from the Lord, on what they've seen, on what they have testified about. They should not forget about the work that have been done. They should really focus on what really matters. And you could look at the book of Hebrews. And thanks again for the guys at the back. They've been really helpful since this morning. You know, you could look throughout the book of Hebrews, if we, we pick up um, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. he says, we must give, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. So there is a genuine concern that the believers were drifting away. There is a genuine concern from for the author that being on that race track... The race is so hard, the race can be so difficult, and many of us today may feel that we no longer know whether we run that race with purpose. We no longer are sure whether we can actually cross and win that race. And some of us are even at the point where they feel like giving up. What's the border? What, 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 what's that race for? I'm not, I'm not even feeling whether I'm saved. It's not a matter of feeling, brothers and sisters. It's a matter of allowing Jesus... Is a matter of allowing Jesus to rekindle that love and that focus on the race, keeping your eyes on Him because He's the only one that is the enabler of that race for you to succeed it. So let's look at what Hebrews 12 says, and Hebrews 12:1. Let's let's look at it. Hebrews 12:1 will read, "Therefore." we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, can you repeat, lay aside? Lay aside. Let us lay aside every way and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. The book of Hebrews, as I say today, is um, I think in Hebrews 12... There are lots of things that we want to take today in terms of how we run the race. Two things I will just say very quickly is the first thing is that it's a matter of understanding where we are in our race. Where are we? When we look on how we've responded the call to action, when Jesus called us and we've answered, here, God, here I am. Yes, Lord, I believe you are my savior. And we started then on that race. We started we started being on track. We started going through, following Jesus, going with a purpose, giving everything to Jesus. And life and the things happening make us stumble or make us feel weary or make us feel weak, make us feel running without purpose. And then we pick ourselves up again and then we carry on because there is a second wing and a third wind and the fourth wind. So there are so many times that we are inconsistent in the way we walk with Jesus. But one of the key words that I want us to look at today is towards the end of verse one. He said, let us run. He didn't say let us stroll. He didn't say let us slow down. He says, let us run. And so it is all about running. All about being in a race to win. All about being in a race knowing that Jesus should be the focus. But even before Jesus is the focus, you know what? There are things that we should do. There are things that we can do ourselves. And that's where verse 1 is quite important because it talks about laying aside laying aside things that so easily ensnare us things that help us fail we need to lay aside anything that lets us that help us fail if we look at hebrews 11:1 most of you have heard about hebrews 11:1 which is effectively the definition according to the bible of the word faith Everybody will have understood what fate is, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And what I say this morning is this, that definition, whilst it is well written and I couldn't, you know, bring up all the details about what it means to you at this point, but fundamentally how... Each and every one takes these, digest it, and understand what it means for their individual races is what matters most. Because we need that faith in Jesus to carry on. We need to be clear about what the substance of things hope for is. Today there are some of us who have lost hope. Today there are some of us who don't see any more substance in that hope. We need to understand the evidence of not, not seen. What are we looking for? What are we trying to see? There is an evidence. But does it talk to us? Hebrews 11 is also there to show us that many people in past time, many saints have actually gone through the same. They've gone through their lives. They've gone through their races with faith. They've actually looked at what it meant. They've applied it into their lives, and they finished the race. And the Bible recalls those people. Example of faith, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, to name a few, Gideon, David. We can go and name them. But the Bible gives these examples in Hebrews 11, Saying those people that you look at, these are those people who have won the race. They have finished their race. They have been on the track. They have been persecuted. They have been battered. They have been despised. They have been sometimes imprisoned, beheaded, name it. Those people have finished their race. But they only could finish that with faith in Jesus. They could not finish it. Looking at their own abilities, looking at their own wisdom, looking into their own understanding. They knew that Jesus needed to step in so that they could step out in faith. And it is very important to understand the purpose of Hebrews because if Hebrews 11 is telling us, then the question of motivation on how to run that faith is even more important. The message still applies today. Why? Why? because we are not all 100% on that race with the intention of finishing it well. Because sometimes we are distracted. Because sometimes it's just too difficult. Let's say the way it is. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. So it is something that the master understood very well, that it will not be a straightforward race, an easygoing one. And I think Hebrews is warning the believers against it. For those of us who are deserted, for those of us who started questioning why the border, for those of us who no longer feel fulfilled in Christ, for those of us who feel like giving up when it's just all starting, for those of us who feel that the toil is too much to take, the weight of walking at an uneven pace with the Lord starts creeping in. The news is this. There is hope. There is hope in Jesus, and there is hope through Jesus. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, that we will finish well. It's not it's not as how we started. It's not really how we started. It never is. Those at the end of the line, and Jesus waiting at the line, expect you coming, running, crossing. He's not expecting you to be stuck in the middle. It is important that we remember that we are there to win, and to win the prize that is before us. How are you running today? Are you running well? Are you fit? Are you equipped for that race? Have you taken the right steps? 1 Corinthians 9, 24 tells us something very important. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? For there are many people on the racetrack, many people running. Everybody on, on the race, on the track, running their own races. They all run. But only one receives the prize. In other words, it says run in such a way that you may win. Or... To word it differently. Do not run to lose. Maybe sometime your register better. Do not run to lose. Do not run weakly. Do not run inconsistently. Do not run halfway. It's all good for you to do all the 60 meters. And forgetting that the race is more than 100,000 miles. Run. So that you may win. What is the purpose in your race? First Corinthians nine twenty-five. He says that I run in fairness. I'm cutting it nine twenty-five to twenty-seven. Let's read it. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control, and again, self-control is not. It's not just given, it's something that we have to put our mind for. We have to apply self control. It is the can do things. Do it yourself, DIY. They exercise self control in all things. Don't just exercise self control on Sunday before the biscuit and with the tea. Don't exercise just self control when somebody has a go at you and you feel that, well, it doesn't bother me. Don't just exercise self control. On Sunday, is something that you need to exercise every single time in all things. Why would you exercise self-control with brothers and sisters in the church and you step out of the church and you face other people, yet you can't exercise self-control? Why? Well, we are not fake news. We are not fake Christians. We are true Christians. We have a blood that has sanctified us, that has been shed on the cross at Calvary for our lives. It matters to God that we are honest. How many of us feel that we are running with purpose? You see, those who exercise that self-control in all things, then they do it to receive a price. But that price is perishable. We do that for an unperishable price. Christ said, I have gone to prepare a place for you. You have the crown of righteousness sitting there, waiting for you. Let's run with purpose. Galatians 5-7. Have you been hindered in your efforts? You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who hindered you? You started well. You received Jesus. You are all happy. You were all purposeful in your search for God, in your hunger in your willingness to go all the distance. But along the way, things came about. And you felt, maybe, I need to reconsider that commitment. Maybe, I'm no longer sure about what it means. Maybe the cross has another meaning for me. What has hindered you from obeying the truth? What has hindered you from running well? You know, I feel that every time God speaks in this place, he speaks because he has a need to reach out to all his children, you included. But we so often come, and as soon as we turn away from you, we forget the word. We forget what was the essence of the message. Or sometimes we think, well, that doesn't really apply apply to me. It applies for the person next to me, on the right or on on the left, or behind, or in front, but not to me. But God speaks because he defies his church. He speaks because he reaches out to your hearts. He speaks because he cares for you and for me. Sometimes what hinders us is because we have the tool, we have the toolkit for the race, and we are not making any news of it. Sometimes you hear the words and then you think it doesn't apply to me, therefore you miss out on what God is speaking about. You miss out on God's promise. You miss out on a vision. You miss out on a prophecy. You miss out on something that God has for you. I've just given a simple example to, a bit, to crystallize what I'm talking about. What was the message last week? Who preached? Okay, Peter Kavana, Pastor Peter. Thank you. Thanks, John. All right, that's right. What did he preach about? The veil. Okay, that was easy, isn't it? It was last week. Who preached two weeks ago? John Glass. Uh, You were there in the morning, so you guys are disqualified. (laughs) Right? John Glass spoke last week, um, the week before. What did he speak about? Sorry? That's right. Space for grace. That we need to make space for grace. That's right. Who spoke the week before? Uh, elderly, the one who has a beautiful voice more than my voice. He spoke last week, the week before. What did he speak about? Sorry? He spoke about us being? That's right. That God has a project that is an ongoing project. We are the project. And that God will continue to do work in progress as long, as long as we allow him to do. Who spoke before him? Pastor Phil. Pastor Phil spoke before him. What did he speak about? (laughs) That's it. Firewalkers. And Pastor Phil spoke about our faith and how our faith sustains us when we go through the furnace. What is God speaking about to you today? Your faith. And how that faith meant to equip you for the race ahead of you? This is just an example of us coming and making sure that we put anything aside that easily ensnares us into not listening, into not being equipped, into being ill equipped to run that race. Today, God is mindful of how we run. He wants to remind that to us. Let's not be like the church in the Hebrews. Let's not be like the church that has forsaken, that keeps on needing to be reminded, take heed. Do not drift away. Actually, this is a confession that we have. Let's keep that confession. Who are we looking at? Jesus Christ. The author and finisher of our faith. So we have motivation to carry on. We have motivation to do well, to run well, to run with purpose. We are surrounded. Can we go back to Hebrews 12:1, 1, please? We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And it means we are not alone. The cloud of witnesses are the cloud of witnesses being talked about earlier in chapter 11. The Abel, Noah, Moses, Abraham, David, name them. The saints present and past, the saints, they've been soldiering on in faith so that we can copy-paste what they've done. So that we can understand what they've done. So that we see how they've applied their faith to finish that race well. And that's what God wants us to do. Again, we can say, well, they are dead. Doesn't matter. Let's just look at those who are around us today. Well, let's look at Hebrews 11.4. Hebrews 11.4 is very specifically telling us about the example of Abel. And he speaks about Abel who made an offering to God. And that offering was out of faith. That offering was, it's not the offering that matters. It's the how he went to give that offering to God. Because his brother also made an offering. But he went, Abel went with faith. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, Not by faith, by faith. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, third time faith is mentioned, and by faith, he still speaks. Who? Abel. Abel's works due to faith still speak of Abel's faith in a world where Jesus wants more faith. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. So God speaks today through the cloud of witnesses, past and present. God speaks to us. We have that motivation. We see how they've done. We see how they've used faith. We see how they live by faith. <laughs> and we see how they run their race. Motivation number two. Christ is with us. Amen. So you are not alone on that track. We're never alone. Matthew 28, 20, Christ said, Behold, I am with you always. So Christ is with us. The departed Christ is also the risen Christ. Is the author and finisher of our faith. He is with us, standing with us, seeing us through challenges, trial, temptation. seeing us through when we need help. Sometimes we sit near each other, we are in the most desperate place. We are, we are so lonely. But Christ still sees that. Things that your pastor, your brothers, your sisters sitting next to you cannot see, God sees the state of, our, of 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 your heart. He sees that. He sees your cry for help. He sees your need of support. He sees that you are putting your hand up for Him to pick you up. And He's there. And He says, "I love you." I care for you. I will help you. So you don't have to be afraid. The Bible tells us of Satan as an accuser of the brethren. It tells us of an accuser of the brethren. And I'm sure that you can imagine a scenario where he comes. Ah, Jesus. Today I want... This sister, and I want her to fail, to curse you to your face, similar to what he did for Job. I want to rob. I want to rob from this brother. I want to take what matters most for him so that he will give up on you. I want to deplete his accounts. I want to deplete his family. I want to deplete his business. I want to deplete his ministry. I want to destroy his health, so that he can give or she can give up on you. That's what he does. He does it every opportunity. The Bible tells us that when Jesus was tempted, and then he went to the desert and got tempted by the enemy, at the end of the day, when he saw that he could not get through, the Bible says that he left until a more opportune time, opportunity is what the enemy is always looking. Now you tell me how many opportunities on a racetrack you have to fall. How many opportunities are there for you to make a wrong step and fall? How many opportunities are you for you to get tired, for you to get exhausted, for you to have lack stamina and to leave or to fall down? Quite a number. And the enemy is waiting for an opportune time. How we respond How we allow Christ to show up to lead us is what determines how how well we end up that race. Motivation number three: our suffering is not unique. I bought some shoes last time, thinking that I would be going. You know, I like I like shoes, trainers, blue trainers, Adidas. They're not bad, right? So I went and I bought them, and I thought, okay, I will wear them. Not when I'm not at work and, you know, I'm happy with them, you know, I'm bouncing on that a little bit. But I'm not doing more than that. If any exercise, I use that to get into my car and drive. (laughs) But these trainers have on it the tag runner. Right? So I'm meant to use them as a toolkit for running. They've been specifically conceived in Adidas workshop with the materials and components that will help me to run fast. I've got them. They've got my name on it. I wear them. Probably the smell of my socks as well on it. But I'm not using them to run that race. I'm using them contrary to the purpose for which I purchased them in the first place. What it means is that when I find myself on the track and try to run, and I've left the tools away, I'm a less efficient runner. Even if I've trained in the gym for 3, 5, 12 months and I have the required stamina, I'm still a bit slower than what I should be because I haven't taken the tools. I haven't taken the trainers. What am I saying to you? God gives us every time, every day, the things that we have need for, for that race. It is up to us to take it, to use it, and to carry on. If we don't, we may have known Christ a long time ago. 15 years I've been a Christian. 25 years I've been a Christian. But we are not running well. Or maybe we have given up at some point, or slowed down. Yet, Christ expects us to run faster, faster. It doesn't matter when we've started, as I said. Jesus wants us to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. To be able to be on that track competitively, to run efficiently. I talked about the stamina earlier on, because it's another tool that we need to, to use. So if we go back to verse 1, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. One of the points here is not just to give it away, is to strip it, completely get it done with. Do not even entertain to keep on wait. I'm not talking about sin because no Christian sins, right? I'm not talking about sin because we are all having them in a black box and it's not heard of us. You know, we, we do not sin. I mean, no. The child of God cannot sin. No. We put that away, and then we believe that, okay, we're good. Okay, fine, we're good then. Uh, What about the weight? What about the habits, the bad habits? It's not all a matter of sin. It's a subtle thing that you do, subtle things that you say, subtle conceptions that you do have, subtle ways of not looking into the perfect law of liberty and continuing in it that become habits crippling and create what the athletes call about um, lactic acid. Lactic acid, yeah? Apparently, it's bad for the body. I've read it, so don't tell me how how true it is, but I understand it is bad for the body. And those who go to the gym, they are encouraged to do high-intensity training so that the body does not generate enough lactic acid, Lactic acid, thank you. Typical Frenchman. And once they do not generate that, effectively it means that they are more able, their muscles are more able to consume the oxygen. Their stamina, which I talked about, is able to be stronger. So they have a specific way of looking at their stamina. You get born, you may not have stamina, but by exercising and certain type of exercise, by having a certain type of diet, by having a certain way of looking after your body, by having a certain way of training, then you become leaner. I have somebody who's trained and he's probably going to correct me at the end. But the reality is, the more you do this, the more your stamina gets built up. And once your stamina gets built up, you are no longer focused much on how many miles you will run. You can run. You can endure. You can run with endurance. So it's not just being on the race. It's having the endurance to finish it. And it's not just having the endurance by name. It's building up whatever you need to build up to ensure that the consistency of the effort, the consistency of the walking, of the training, the consistency of using the tools given by God to walk on that track, to run on that track, are effectively used. It is all about making sure that those weights... Making sure that the sin, we are doing away with it. Family ties. I want to talk about family ties. Because they could be... They're not sin. My family, why would they be sin? It's not sin. But the family tie can actually prevent you from walking or from running the way you need to run. Because people do not always understand what you believe in. They do not always... Buy into what you're doing to serve God. People sometimes get tired of hearing you, oh, I'm going to church, I'm going to service, there is a choir practice, or there is a Bible study, uh, Bible 360, there is leadership 360, there is uh, a conference somewhere else, or there is Sunday service, because they do not understand. And sometimes they can put a bit of pressure. say, well, why don't you give up? What does it bring to you? Sometimes those who are unsaved, the Bible says that for them, it is foolishness. For them, it is foolishness. But for us, it is the power of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we should be comfortable in telling our families that, look, I love you, I care for you, but this is my race. I need to be in church. I need to go to church. I need to serve. This is my race. And hopefully we'll get them along the way. We'll get them to come with us. And if we can't, we can still pray for them. We can still love them. We can still encourage them. And so we can with, with our families and, and friends, those who have said, okay, fine, I can't relate with you because you follow Jesus. They started with you, but they ended up not being with you because you have taken your race that dictates that you serve Christ. Is whatever we do a weight? No. But we need to look into what those weights are. Do they prevent me from running effectively? Do they prevent me from running a race where I will win? Because it's not every sin. It's not, the Bible is not just talking about sin. It's talking also about weight. What is in your life that constitutes a weight? Can you actually go home this afternoon? Can you go home and put on a paper what you feel are weights? Can you look into each one of them and see whether they help you run your race or slow you down running your race? By the time you've done that, you will know what you need to get rid of. Can we do that? Because those will help us. Sin is written. Black and white is in the Bible. The Holy Spirit convinces us of sin, and we know that we have to let go. We know we have to ask God for forgiveness. But the ways are so subtle. We don't know what they are. It's like uh, an athlete getting on the, the racetrack with water bottle around his belt. How do you think that this athlete is going to run? He needs water, of course. Is he going to stop the race to drink? It, do- it does look innocent, doesn't it? But he does not need that water during the race. He will focus his effort on, oh, I don't want the water to fall, the bottle of water to be on the track. It will forget about how fast it needs to run, how quickly he needs to cross the line. That's what we are talking about. What is it? How can we love more? How can we be more righteous? How can we be more, 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 more giving? People who are people of the world. How can we study more? How can we meditate more on the things of God? How can we run better? These are weights. And we should not underestimate because what they hinder are endurance. They hinder all the efforts that we put through. The Bible says in Isaiah 35, 3, strengthen the weak hands, Make firm the feeble knees. That's another way that we can actually do that, that race. To strengthen the weak ends. That's not physical exercise. But one of the ways we could do that is by prayer. Why? Because... Our faith can fail. I will not advocate many people saying, okay, I'm saved, one saved, always saved. The same Bible tells me, work out your salvation with fear, with trembling. I'm not going to advocate that because there is the world by leading for a reason. There are people who do 360. There are people who turn back from Jesus. There are people who start and then change the direction. But the Bible is telling us to strengthen the weak hands. So where you feel that you can't, when you feel that you are not walking the way you should walk or running the way you should run, then maybe there is something to be done. In Luke 22:32, 32, there is a story in there where Jesus prays for his disciples. He say to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon. He, calls, he didn't call him by Peter the rock. That's not Peter the rock he's talking to. He's talking to Simon the human being. Simon, the one who has weakened. Simon, the one who will deny him many times. He's talking to Simon, who is ever so willing to follow him, but yet recognizes that he's, he's a human being with weaknesses. He says, Simon, Simon. And he tells Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Why? Because our faith in Jesus matters. Simon Peter, like all the disciples, has been with Jesus day after day. They've seen miracles. They've been empowered to do miracles. They've prayed for people. They've seen the sick recovered. But Jesus said, I've prayed for you. That what? That your faith may not fail. He didn't pray that he will run better with endurance. He prayed about the faith of those that he's empowered to do things. Those that have been with him and that have seen him. Those who by faith have got the revelation that is Christ the Messiah, the Son of God. But he's still praying for them that their faith will not fail. Because the enemy who is looking for people, who is looking at killing, destroying and stealing. The enemy is there trying to sieve them away. Move them away from that racetrack. Preventing them from finishing the race. Hindering them so that they could deny Christ. But Jesus Christ said, I've prayed for you. So if Jesus Christ prayed for his disciples that their faith will not fail, why will we not pray? Why will we not pray for strengthening ourselves? For building up our most holy faith. Why will we not pray? Asking Jesus for the grace to do so. Why will we leave prayer aside? When we are actually on the spiritual battleground. It is important to pray. Prayer to God cannot be underestimated. It will help us to avoid lethargy, spiritual lethargy. In the garden before Jesus was arrested, him, he came to his disciples and specifically asked them something. He said, "Pray that you will not enter temptation." He's going to pray, and he comes back interrupts his prayer time. Say, "Hey, hey, hey, guys, guys, pray, pray that you will not enter temptation." Why now for the focus on temptation? Because the Bible tells us very much that temptation, when it persists, leads to sin, and when sin grows. Then it leads to death. But the death is more akin to you denying your faith in Jesus Christ, turning back. Not making heaven, not finishing your race, turning back. That's what the enemy is after. Sift you. We need to pray. That's a way to strengthen our hands. I will also want to encourage you on another way we can build up our faith. We need not to fear the fall. Many a times we are running, and if you look at younger p- people when they run, they don't run in a um, very um, structured way, if I can put it that way. It's not the same effort every single step, step. It's not the same consistency. Sometimes they run fast, they slow down, and they run fast again, and then they say, oh, I'm tired. right? But then effectively, one of the things that the younger one do is they are so close to the ground that they keep on looking at the uneven surface on which they run. And they are not controlling their speed. And the reality is that it comes and creates fear in them that they may fall. And if they fall, they are thinking about hurt, they are thinking about pain. And they think that they will not be able to finish. We should not fear the fall. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 24, 7, That the righteous may fall seven times. The righteous man may fall seven times. Yet, he will rise up again. Jesus will rise him up again. Amen? We need to have complete trust in the promises of God when we run that faith. Complete trust in the promises of God. Because the life of faith is just guaranteed to win. The life of faith never fails. Second Corinthians 1.20 says that the promises for all, all, all the promises of God in him are yes. They are yes, and in him they are amen to the glory of God through us. Revelation 12.11. The Bible says that they overcame. They overcame. We overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. It's important when we run that we are committing to running our race well. Sometimes I feel we want to run people's races. Family and friends, relatives, we want to run their races. We want to be on their racetrack. We forget that we've been assigned a specific line, a specific race race, to do, and we have the lines that we shouldn't go away from. You get on the racetrack, there are two lines, and you need to be in the center. You can touch the line, you might be disqualified if you cross, if you touch the line, I don't think you are disqualified. But yet, we have two lines. These lines have a name on it, they are lines for you. They are not lines for your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your son, your parents. They are your lines. And even if we want them to be running their race well, the only thing we can do then is to encourage them. We can support them. We can pray for them. We can certainly not run for them. It has not been given to us to run the race of our loved one. But what we need to do is to be committed on our own race. And without commitment, then you can succeed. This is one of the greatest deterrents of success. The people in the army, the people in the forces, the people in sports, team sport or individual sport. All those people have something in common. When they are committed, they are going for it, and they give themselves every single chance to succeed. Because without commitment, it's easy to forget the call. Without commitment, it's easy to let the wind distract you. It's easy to let the wind push you off track. Without commitment, the goal is not attained anymore. Without commitment, we just think about the pain pain in our limbs when we run, the fact that we are short of breath, the fact that our stamina is not there. We we can't run. We we are no longer effective winners. Effective runners, sorry. Name me one single sportsman or one single person who has touched the price who can tell you they haven't been committed. One single. In the whole history. You have teams sometimes of very gifted people and talented people, very talented athletes. They make it so far. If no commitment. There's no hand to the prize. It's just limited. So we cannot deceive ourselves by being half-heartedly into the race. We have to rely on Jesus, but we have to also be committed. Is key to seeing things done. Commitment and committed people are always recognized by God. You need to expect setback, but you also need to endure. And that's why there is the word endurance. John 16.33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world so take heart that despite the setbacks that you go through despite these difficulties despite you feeling that you need to give up despite you identifying to the Hebrews or the church in Hebrews at the time where they felt that is Christ ever going to come back remember that Christ in you has already overcome and therefore he had to endure but still came out victorious sometimes you just have to endure it may just be for a moment. It may be for a longer season where your endurance requires that some stamina to come true. But it's not for life. It's not for life. It's just for a moment. Endurance doesn't dwell on the pain and difficulties. It just doesn't know how to give up. Then we are told, verse 2, Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And that's where we have to rely on Christ, the enabler. All what I've talked about is very nice. He can come to the air and we say, well, there is sense in that. But without Jesus, we build in vain. Without Jesus, we run in vain. Without Jesus... There is no strength, there is no purpose, there is no life. Without Jesus, there is dryness all around, hopelessness all around, pain all around. Christ is the enabler. He enables us to do the things that we could not normally do. Think about Matthew 14, when Peter walked on water. Think about him following the call of his master. Can I come to you? You are walking on the sea. I want to follow you. Can I come? Yes. You just speak a word and I come. You come. And then he walked on water until he stopped looking at Jesus. So we need to look at Jesus. We need to cast our eyes on him. We need to be mindful that the one that is telling us, look unto me. Not only is because he's already done the race himself, but he's the utmost authority, the utmost enabler, the one who will never fail, the one who will never fail, the one who does not know failure. The one who has created us, the one who knows us, the one who died for us. He's our father, he's our savior, he's our redeemer, he's the lover of our soul. He does not want us to get any harm. He does not want us to do things halfway. You know, in life, you could look to other people. Sometimes it's convenient, but it's always only ever so short-sighted. Because looking to other people, say your gym instructor, you may not necessarily like how strong he shows to you that he is. You may look at your spouse, and you may not always like the decision that she or he makes. You may look at your friend, and your friend may let you down at times. You may look at your children, and they might disobey you. You may look at your co-workers, and you just don't know, and you don't like the way they work. Those people might be very close to you. What they can never do, they can never change your life. They can never give you an ever, ever, everlasting life. They can never guarantee you the success in your race. They are there. Sometimes they accompany you on the track. But boy, oh boy, they can fall short many times. And looking onto Jesus is because he had to come from heaven to tell us it's possible. It had to come from heaven to say, look. Hold my hand. I will walk with you. I will run with you. I will give you whatever you need if you ask. And even sometime before you, you come to me, I know what you have need of. And I will still provide for you. Do not lose hope, for I am hope myself. Do not lose sight of who I am. Because then the destruction, the winds, the adversity will become your focus. Continue to worship me. Because then you will get victories. Continue to humble yourself. Because then I will be glorified. Just trust me. Can I have the the band, please? And I want to conclude. And um, in the concluding remarks, I just want us to think for a moment around If things were to stop today, where will we say that we are? What kind of race will we be able to tell Jesus that we've been running? How well will we have been running? What's the evidence for it? There's a song saying the evidence is all around. What evidence will we be able to give to the Lord? For not asking for help, for not finishing the race, for starting and stopping, for not building up consistency. How will we be able to say, Jesus, I'm sorry I've given up. Life was too tough, but I've never called for help. I had other priorities and I started loving the world not you oh I thought you'd given me a word and I followed it and through that word I was able to do signs, wonders and miracles but my heart ran away from you what are we going to be able to say to Jesus on that day which can actually be the next minute which can be 20 years away. Why are we going to tell him about the confidence that we had that he whom he says that he is he has the keys of heaven we used the tools but half-heartedly we had weights and we thought they were good we were sinning and then we had forgiveness for half of the time and maybe not the other half of the time. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.15 See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the lord is and i believe today the will of the lord is that we refocus on our priorities the will of the lord today i believe is we refocus on how we've been running the will of the lord is that we let anything in any way aside that we strip them off from our lives. that is no longer becoming part of our dna that is no longer becoming who we are and identifying us as such poor runners We want the Word of Christ to dwell in us richly, but most importantly, we want to love God with all our hearts. Can we stand up, please? Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org.